What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the King Ragoni Show on Believe Network and the Draft Network. We're here with national championship uh, winner uh, on the greatest team ever assembled, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Afterwards, a first-round pick with the San Francisco 49ers, and now currently a part of the Miami staff, Mr. Coach Mike Rumpf. How you doing, Coach? Good, man. What's up? Throw that thing up, you know, get it started right. Yeah, man, it's all about the you, you know. But uh, before, you know, I got to mention, you know, this we haven't dropped anything recently just because Derek's been at the Combine doing those things. He was actually supposed to be, you know, in this with us, but he actually just got called into a meeting with the the Atlanta Falcons offense coordinator. So, you know, you know how that goes. So he's going to have to join. Good things right there. Yeah, these are all good right there. All good things. We'll recap, you know, when he comes back, see how things go with him, see things, how it's been. But, you know, to get started with you, I just wanted to kind of, you know, go from your childhood, where you grew up, and, you know, have you always been a Miami Hurricanes fan? Why did you choose Miami? You know, different places you could have chose from. I know in high school, you know, I saw something, you were a top 50 recruit, something like that, you know, big time guy. And, uh, you're all all state and track and all this stuff, triple jump. I think I saw something about that too. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I'm impressed. Yeah. So if you want to, you know, get into that, tell me you know, where you're from. Well, I'm from Boynton Beach, Florida. And um, I like to say that. And wherever I go and I talk to people, I ask, them, you ever heard of Boynton Beach? And half the people never heard of Boynton Beach. And, I, don't, um, yeah, I don't know where that's at. See, that's good. You know why? Because I came out of that. You know what I'm saying? What you're seeing right now is a product of Boynton Beach, man. I'm super proud of that. So I always go to ask crowds that. And to hear most people don't know makes me feel like good. Like, And, and it, I think it inspires people to know that you come from a small town that nobody ever heard of and you could have some type of success. So we are from Boynton Beach. That's about 50 minutes north of um, Miami. You know what I'm saying? It's in Palm Beach County. It's in the southern part of Palm Beach County. So I'm close to Boca Raton and all that. But yeah, it's a, it's a small town. You know, the thing about living in a city like Boynton Beach, you're not Miami, you're not Fort Lauderdale. And, you know, a lot of people might consider us a little country or whatever, but the crazy part is we try to outdo the city people. So if if they got like, you know what I'm saying? Like 
the nice nice car. We're going in a little town. We're going to try to get a car even better than that car. Or if they got, you know, uh, the best lawn, we're going to try to make our lawn look even better. So I think we take a lot of pride in being from a small town because we try to emulate what's going on in the big city. But that's pretty much Boynton Beach right there in the hole. So how was it uh, growing up in Boynton Beach, you know, as you know, as a kid playing football, were you raised playing football, things of like that? Like, how'd you, you know, get brought into it? So I came up in the family. So my family, I'm, I'm like one of the shortest. I'm 6'2". Yeah, man. But my dad is 6'7". I got an uncle that's 6'7". Another uncle 6'6". Uh, one uncle 5'11". You know what I'm saying? He the runt. And uh, my grandma was about 5'10". I got a sister that's 5'10". I got a sister that's 6'1". My brother's 6'2". So everybody's tall. So it was all basketball. Have most of my family never ever mo- nobody played football in my family but me, so I was just somebody who I really enjoyed. You know the game of football. I played a lot of basketball. I thought I was gonna be successful in basketball, and I also was a, a track guy. So I was a guy that did multiple multiple sports because I want to get out of Boynton. You know what I'm saying? I, I, it's my city, and I knew that in order to help my city, I had to get out and then come back. So uh, a lot of my drive was just competing all the time you know so i grew up crazy crazy athletic and I, I was thinking the other day ryan bro we was like playing chase tag hide and go seek everything was 100 miles an hour running around houses you know what i'm saying if i think of my childhood i was jumping off jumping fences i was running and being chased i was playing tackle football in the front yard uh if you couldn't hit a backflip you wasn't considered nobody in my neighborhood you know what i'm saying like we flipping off fences people flipping off houses like gainers like front flip, back flip. So we was I, when I look at it, bro, I was super, super competitive and I ran a lot. My my parents all my dad's always say you like go outside and let me see you do 10 laps around the house because I had crazy energy. So I go, I'm gone, you know what I'm saying? And then I come in and fall asleep here. You know, that was a strategy to get me to, to wear me out. So just running up and down the block doing stuff. So I can honestly say, um, I was around being and then I was around super competitive guys. So Boynton. You, you know what I'm saying? You got a good amount of drug dealers right down the street. I live on 4th. On 10th Avenue is Martin Luther King. And we all know, you know, as I hate to say it, but Martin Luther King is typically a rough area. And you hear the gunshots every other night. You know what I'm saying? You see the jump out crew pulling up the cars, banging down the door and pointing guns. You see all that. So, But I was in, like, every sport. You know what I'm saying? My dad, I, I, let me start off by saying my, my mom passed when I was eight months in a car accident. Yeah, so I grew up with my single father, and I had two really good grandmothers that was really there for me. And um, I was I spent that time. Now, with that said, I had two older sisters, two younger sisters, and a younger brother, and uh, we all had different moms, if you know what I mean. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So, you know, I, I I had the dad, but my dad had only had two kids when I was born, and then he had three more kids after me, but different separate moms, whatever. So that was my situation. And, you know what I'm saying, it just that's pretty much how everything started out, you know, when I was in Boynton Beach. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say how you're the shortest one in your family, you know, 6'2". <laughs> Man, I'm the tallest one in my family. And I'm mm-hmm. maybe, maybe, maybe 5'10", <laughs> maybe on a good day. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, yeah. You, you, hey, you five nine and three quarters, I give you that, right? Hey. <laughs> I'll never forget when uh, I first got here, JB, uh, Jordan Barber, he was getting my height, right? And it was like five, nine, and seven eighths. And I was like, bro, you can't write down five ten. Like, come on. Like, <laughs> I got my shoes off and everything. Like, he pressed yeah. it hard. I'm like, bro, come on. It ain't that yeah. big of a deal. 
But, but you I'm know what? You you walk like you tall. That's how I could tell you the tallest in your family. You know, you got a tall walk. You know what I'm saying? You don't walk like a little guy. You kind of walk like. Yeah, you know well, the thing is, where I'm from, everybody's short. Everybody. You know, <laughs> I grew up in a town, like, I'm Mexican. My family's Mexican. Everybody, like, my mom's side of the family, that's where I grew up with. Everybody's Mexican, right? They're all yeah. from Monterrey, Mexico, all this stuff. And everybody's short. I'm telling you, my uncle's like five six, five seven, you know, five five. Everybody's short. So I'm growing up, you know, thinking like I'm tall. You know, I go to yeah. school. Everybody in my school is Hispanic too, right? Wow. So like, so like I'm like I'm not the tallest guy in my school by no means, but like I'm definitely not the shortest. Like there's people like way shorter than me, but I was one of the tallest people, you know, like on my team and stuff. So I grew up feeling like I'm tall. I go to college and I'm like. <laughs> everybody looking at me in the locker room like little ass dude <laughs> like you <Yeah>. know <laughs> so uh, yeah it's it's definitely different you know being the short guy but i never I, thought i never knew that bro that's an interesting fact man that's crazy yeah man i thought all growing up i thought i was tall then you know i go out of town <laughs> man, get on a football team and i'm just like man i'm one of the shortest guys in here yeah yeah you know uh it's funny you know hearing you know how you grew up you know, you said you have multiple siblings, you know, with different, you know, families. My, uh, I have six siblings. I only have one full, you know, full sibling. Yeah, I, yeah. Know, I know how that is. You yeah. know? And growing, growing up in the neighborhoods and stuff, we actually used to do all the same things. You know, you're talking about, I remember one time we, uh, you know, doing ding dong ditch, you know, stuff like that. It was a bad, bad, bad time. Like, for some reason, we just... We rang this one doorbell three times. Like, got this person three times. Like, rang it, ran off, right? The guy came out, whatever. Then see us. He's, you know, regular, like, all these damn kids. Rang it again, ran off. And then the guy starts getting mad, right? We did it one more time. And the dude just, like, is running, like, chasing us. And I'm gone. Like, I'm already, you know, across. My cousin, hilarious. My cousin, Noah. He's around the corner, right? And he was running too, but then he just starts walking like nothing happened. Yeah. Just walking. And the guy runs up to him. He's like, you know, you know, tell him something. He's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, you know, playing it off like he wasn't involved with. The dude just got out of, you know, uh, he found one of the guys I was doing it with. He's like, man, I just got out of prison, blah, blah, blah. And y'all over here messing with me, doing all this stuff. He's like, y'all don't know, you know, people going through, you know, it could end up bad for y'all. That being said, I never dinged on dish again and all that stuff, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Story, you know, that made me think of it. But mm-hmm. Boyd Beach is uh in a way like where I grew up, you know, in the southeast part of Houston, uh Pasadena, like nobody knows where Pasadena is, nobody comes out of Pasadena, does anything. So I mean, yeah. I understand completely on you know how that was, you know, for mm-hmm. you. But what you know, with your family all playing basketball, what got you into football? Like what when did you get into football? Like high school, junior high? How'd that, how'd that work for you? Yeah, I, I fell in love with football at a young age. And weird enough, I fell in love with the gear. You know what I'm saying? One Christmas, I got like the Miami Dolphin, little plastic helmet with the pads and the pants and the jersey. And I was just, it was weird with like the smell of it. You know what I'm saying? I like banging it against stuff at a young age. So I was already like six, seven years old running around the house. I put up, like, the tall pillows from the couch. I stand them up and, they're, like, try to run through them, you know what I'm saying, run around the house, just being active. I was always pretty physical at a young age. And then once I got about eight or nine, 
I never forget it was in the front yard. We always played touch in the street, like in the street, we tag, but in the grass, you get tackled. Yep. And I, I had, you know, some pretty tough older guys on my block. And I remember I started like going for the legs and picking them up like that's like scooping them, right? And I did it like at nine and it just felt like good. It hurt a little bit, but at the same time, like, you know, everybody's impressed that I picked the dude up. So I developed that at the early age of nine and 10 playing front yard ball. And um, I started at, I was uh, seven, I was eight years old when I first played tackle football for the Delray Rocks. You know, my town being a boy, we didn't have little league football until later. So I had to drive like a little 20 minute drive to go to practice every day. And uh, it's funny, the Rocks, I was picked up every day by a coach. He had a station wagon, typical coach, Jerry Curl, station wagon, smoking a cigarette with a butt, a cold Budweiser sitting right next to him every day. 1988, this man picked me up. And, and just prove, Ryan, if you're not getting picked up a little league, you're not a good player. Like, the best yeah, player yeah, all you yeah. got to get, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Coach going to go pick up, like, three dudes because he need them. I was one of the dudes, you know what I'm saying? So, and then, you know, I don't know, I'm innocent, I don't know, but I was like, this dude got a cold beer and the cigarette windows up. You but probably got the coolest thing ever, too, as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And to be honest with you, I don't think that man was ever late. He can't, he never missed. You know what I'm saying? You, when you're young, you don't think about that, but Buddy was there on time, man, and that really is a big part of me playing at a young age, you know what I'm saying? So I played with the Rocks, 1988. Fast forward, Boynton Beach finally got uh, um, a little league team called the Boynton Beach Bulldog in 1994. I was 14, and you know what I'm saying? All I needed to see was my community get up, like a wellness center, you know what I'm saying? Got a basketball they got a football, they got baseball, and it was like a 10-year-old league, so I joined that league. And shit, I, I play, I've been playing, once I started football in 1994, I didn't finish football until 2007. Like, every year, football, you know what I'm saying? And within that, I was still doing basketball, and then I was doing my track. You know, like you said, I was a state champ, triple jumper, um, long jump, I was like top five in the state. Even at UM, I ran track for three years at UM. A lot of people don't know that. You know, back then, they kind of allowed us to do football and track for during the spring, you could do indoor track, you know what I'm saying? So I was out there, you know, competing in three aspects. Even in basketball, I was an MVP like my junior year. And the only reason I didn't play basketball my senior year in high school is because I wanted to put on some weight and get ready. I started getting a lot of offers and stuff. So I'm like, let me put some weight on. I'm about 168. Let put on some weight. I'm going to be – and I was a free safety, right? So when I was in high school, I was, like I say, top 50, um, one of the top safeties in the country. And uh, so – Going into my senior year, I really wanted to put that weight on, so I stopped basketball and really focused in. And you know, I had like 108 tackles as a senior at free safety. I had um, I had six picks. I had a pick six on those picks, a couple sacks, and um, I was just you know what I'm saying. Like I was on a five and five team too, so we never made the playoff all four years. So I could have easily transferred to here, or there, you know, other schools in Boca Raton, uh, Lake Worth, or whatever, but. I was always real loyal, and that's gonna, you know, that's gonna come into play when I talk about UM as far as my commitment to UM. But I was always a loyal. If I say I'm gonna do it, that's the team. I'm not going to another team. This is my team, you know. Yeah, getting into that, you know, my next question was gonna be, you know, high school for you and how recruiting worked for you, and basically what made you choose UM. So, like I said, I got my first offer. Uh, I want to say it was like West Virginia back in my my tenth grade year. You know what? Let me get that back. You know, yeah, West Virginia was first, but Maryland was the first school to come there. And ironically, oh, shit. Sorry about that. Ironically, the um, 
the guy that came to recruit me from Maryland, I ended up um, playing with his son. His son was a first-round pick, too, so we both went to the, uh, the uh, 49ers together. But anyway, I got my first offer around 10th grade. Um, I had, like, every school in the country, and uh, I went to visit Ohio State because I wanted to see snow. You know, mm-hmm. So I had never seen snow, so I just went up there for that. I told her I found I went to see snow, and I really didn't like snow. So I was like, <laughs> this is not going to work. Bro, I've been a terrible player in the cold. So I told the coach, and it's dead in his eyes, like, I can't come here. It's too cold. And I came back to Miami, and I, I committed, and I just locked in. You know what I'm saying? And the reason I went to Miami was uh, I wanted my dad to be able to see me play. He worked like four, five, or six days a week, and he was right up the road. So I knew that he can make it to my games on Saturday. And then um, uh, <laughs> the depth chart wasn't too crazy because Miami was coming off of probation. So they didn't have enough scholarships in 1997, the year before I got there. So when I, um, once I, I finally, um, after 97, I, I just got a message on that, this part that broke my train of thought. But yeah, so I, I didn't have a lot of scholarships and I used to go watch Ed Reed and all those dudes practice my senior year. <laughs> So, Ryan, I didn't think Ed was good, bro. I ain't gonna lie. The man's feet was like this. He, you know what I'm saying? He was passing. He was like going through the motion. Is it called pigeon toed or something? Yeah, he pigeon toed, man. He pigeon toed. And then I didn't think he gave a lot of effort. So, I never forget. I kept the, I caught the metro, the tri rail to the metro rail down there to watch practice. And I'm like, man, this man not that good, bro. And then they wasn't deep. So, I'm like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna come to you. And so, I, and, 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 and let's not get that point across. But the thing I did see, it was one of the hardest working teams. I came out there in the summer and the coaches wasn't out there. And I never seen a team run to the ball and hold each other accountable in the seven on seven period. Like they, they you would have thought like if anybody messed up, they, they corrected that jump right away. If you didn't, if you went through the ladder and you hit it, you had to go back and start over again. It was the most self disciplined team I had seen. And everybody, I'm talking about dreads, gold teeth. They look like me. They talk like me, but they work. They ass. So they ran one tens. Everybody just, you know what I'm saying? Nobody missing their time. Guys snapping if you miss your – so I was just like, I had never seen guys work that hard and be that accountable. And that's when I said, I want to be a Miami Hurricane. You know what I'm saying? And then when I saw him, when I went to the first game, I seen him come out the smoke. I was sitting there, man, in the orange bowl. I'm looking down. The hat. Back then was a helmet, and the helmet was rocking. The team was in there jumping around. And I'm like, bro, that smoke came. I'm getting the chills right now. The smoke came. And the boys ran out of smoke. It was like a 12 o'clock game. And I was just like, damn, I saw that you. I was like, damn, the boy, look, they had, they had the, the boy had the tights on, they had the leg, they had the shirts rolled up. And their attitude was just like, they didn't even pay attention to the other team. You just like, they knew what was coming. So it was just a, a couple of intangibles of how hard they worked in the summer, just seeing them come out there and their attitude and how they played the game. And I thought I could beat Ed Reed out, bro. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and to this day, let me, I'm going to go keep going. Ed did not like me my first year because he got word of that. Like, I told my homeboy, my homeboy told his homeboy, and it got back to Ed. So my freshman year, we're going, I'm, I'm, I'm starting, Ed starting, but he don't like me. I don't like him. But we communicate, we work together. So it wasn't until after the season, we was on track. Ed did the javelin on track. We was at Syracuse, and it was snowing. And me and my boy, he's a wrestler. I was like, bro, these dudes green all year. They've been acting weird, man. Like, let's jump them. So when Ed and the other dudes came off the bus, we jumped them in the snow. So we out there wrestling, like throwing snow wreck, bro. We was laughing. And then Ed, we were kind of like, Ed was like, man, y'all was like cocky, man. That's why we treated y'all like that. Mm-hmm. And ever since then, him and I was like this. But at first, 
he was like, you can't cocky talking about you're going to take my spot. So we really ain't get along like that. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I actually uh, I interviewed uh, DJ Williams, too. Now, I'll tell you one thing. That is one of the funniest people I, I've bro, ever been around in my life. He number one. He number one. I got like a two and a three, but DJ Williams is the best storyteller. He's the funniest person I've ever played with, bro. By <laughs> far the funniest person I've ever met in my life. The way we didn't even put everything on the podcast when we dropped it. Yeah. So much like beforehand, we were just talking. And I mean, this dude just has story after story yeah. after story. I mean, we're crying, laughing, just chopping it up before the podcast even started. I was like, yeah. oh, we got to record all this stuff. Yeah. It's funny. He's actually uh, on I'm Athlete uh, now. You know, he's part of their podcast. Yeah. And that's a perfect fit for them because, I mean, they, that man needs to be on TV or something. No doubt. I'm glad you saw that because, bro, he can't remember now. DJ was the like the number one player in the nation. Yep. So mm-hmm. we wanted to kill DJ. We like when he get here, we gonna whoop it. Like everything about Hazen, he was like, um, we like when is Jesus getting here? Like we was calling him Jesus because this is the first player that John Madden got on the TV and he said, this kid can go from high school, skip college, and go to the NFL. And he coming from um, was it De La Salle? Yeah, they never lost the game. Yeah. So we like, bro, and I, you know, this is how crazy we were. We like, bro, we're going to whoop him when he get here. We're going to whoop that dude. You know what I'm saying? We're going to cut his hair. We're going to humble him. But he ended up being one of the funny. We couldn't help but laugh. He always made us laugh. We're like, this dude's a clown. But a baller. That boy played play the game right there, boy. Hey, Ryan, he was 250 in college, bro, playing linebacker. Don't let him lie to you about no 240. That man playing 1040, 245. Running to the ball, knocking people over, and so DJ they moved him to the fullback. And he was about to leave UM because he was like, "Bro, I can't play linebacker." And they put him back at linebacker. But yeah, man, that's the dude right there. You know, I actually saw a story. Uh, he posted not too long ago. I think it was before his first NFL game. I think it was. He he was talking to his agent, and he was looking at the guy that they were playing, the running back that they were playing. He's like, man, he's like, I'm not about to play in this game. Like, I need to be playing running back. He's like, screw this. I ain't going to play, blah, blah, blah. Because the man just, like, he wanted to play running back so bad. Like, he just – he loved it. He he thought he should have been playing it, all this stuff. But uh, yeah. in high school, he was actually a running back before, you know, when he came. Yeah. yeah. Now, he was a, a really good athlete, man. And like I said, his success with dime life off the field. And he's an example of a guy that comes from Cali. And now he's making his life in Miami. You know what I'm saying? I, I think that's another thing. Miami has that appeal where a lot of people come here as a recruit and then they join the team and they play. But when they graduate college, they stay here in Miami. You know what I'm saying? So like like this, like I hope the same thing for you. Once it's all said and done, I hope your, your podcast and everything takes off so that, you know what I'm saying, you can you can make your life down here. You can still go back to Houston, but. No, I love. I'm not gonna lie, I love Miami. I love what? Miami. Right? You go. You're a go getter. You love Miami. You know. Miami. Miami is honestly. I've been to a lot of cities. It's the best city that you know. I, I love Houston, and I, I'll always say Houston's number one. But man, yeah. Miami is just something different. Something special. I mean, being here, you you fall in love with it. I mean, yeah. there's just there's everything's here, and honestly, it kind of surprises me too. You know when recruits don't decide to come here, yeah. I mean, you have everything at the tip of your fingertips, like here in Miami. But the only thing is, and I talked to Derek about this, there's some people that do come here that are great players, 
but they just can't handle the Miami lifestyle because yeah. Miami, Miami will make you choose. Yeah. <laughs> it'll make you, yeah, you know, it'll make you choose. Do you really love this game or not? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, some boys are able to handle it. They be out every night, but they yeah. there, don't miss a beat on time. And then they give it their all and still at the top. That's me. Uh-huh. Bro, I went out every night, bro. My wife's sitting right here. I went, me and my homeboy Howard went out every night, bro. But I never was late. I never missed anything. But, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm from Boynton, so I wanted to see the city. I was going out. Like, my roommate from Miami, and half the stuff, he was like, Mike, what's that like? What's South Beach like? I'm like, bro, you from Miami. Mm-hmm. I went to the Grove on Wednesday, Thursday. I went to South Beach Saturday, oh, Sunday Thursday. night. Yeah. Going, yeah, the grow, yeah, all that stuff y'all was doing, y'all doing Thursday. We was doing that back then, twenty years ago, but harder. We had places <laughs> down south. Yeah, we went out, but bro, I might have been, I might have had like, I might have had like smelled like alcohol in one workout, and my strength coach kicked my butt. He smelled it and he put me through the ringer. I never did it again. I always made sure, like, if I go out, I'm hydrate on the way home. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm gonna be able to. Get up and work out, then take a nap, then go to class. You know what I'm saying? Like I had that, I, I got it all down. And I can tell you, Ryan, I saw the city in another aspect. Whereas when we was losing, and 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 um, you know, I'm gonna get dressed up, Claiborne down, nice shirt, like the freshman we used to go out and they used to deny the club. They'd be like, they'd be like, hold up, we had our cane car. I swear to God, cane car. Like, hey, y'all do a Y'all do a college courtesy, you know what I'm saying? Trying to get in the club. They be like, get your ass out of that security. So keep in mind, security in Miami and South Beach, they're all former football players. Yeah. So they're going to hate. Like, they didn't make it. You made it. Now you trying to get in the club, but you're only 18. They're like, man, get your young ass out of here. I thought we got put. I'm talking about clean. We used to hang our clothes up in the backseat of the car. Go in our clothes like this. When we get to the beach in the garage, we get dressed. So everything creased up, clean, walking out. Don't even want to, you know what I'm saying? Bro, get turned around like, Nah, but what happened was nine. That was nine and three. My second year, we went nine and four, and then at eleven and one season, they start. We go to the club. They be like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey let let them boys in here now. Nah, nah, bring them. You know what I'm saying? The twelve and zero. We ran the city, bro. So I seen the city transition from like haters to like it was crazy love in the city. It's funny that you speak about that because. Talking to like the air before he got here. When I first got here, we would go places, obviously, you know, whatever. Like, oh, you could just go to the front line type thing, whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh when he got here, you know, there was some buzz around it, all that stuff. So everything was, you know, treated nicely. But after that, you know, eight win season, it was better than you know, people, you know, had been used to before. Yeah, I mean, when I tell you, like, everything was good for us, like, going anywhere, blah, blah, blah. And obviously, I'm talking about spring and summer. Never, ever, ever during season. Yeah. (laughs) But, you know, spring and summer, we had, you know, our fun and the city was different. So Mm -hmm. I really would love to see, you know, us go 12 and 0, whatever, be at the top of, you know, everything and really see, you know, what the city is, you know, all about. Because I hear the stories with y'all. And I just, you know, I want to, you know, I want to see it, you know, for myself and experience yeah. it. It's different, man, because the difference between here and like L.A. and New York, people will ignore you out there. You know what I'm saying? Like you see 50 Cent or you see, you know what I'm saying, uh, like a, a John Travolta, like down here in Miami, 
typically they will walk right by you in the mall because they don't want to look. I, everybody's so cool. They don't want to like, like sweating. So I can say like, that's what makes this city a little bit different. Everybody look at the stars like, Hey, I'm a star too. So whatever, you know what I'm saying? I'm ignore you. So that's the thing where uh, other cities, they, oh, oh, look at him. That, that go on Eddie Murphy, you know what I'm saying? And they follow him around and taking pictures. And, and it's, I think that's just the difference of how the personality is here. It's kind of like F you, you know what I'm saying? We from Miami, you know, we us. So, well, yeah, you know, there was a few times, you know, I've been to some places and, you know, we never want to, you know, be those types. Like, we'll see somebody being hanging yeah. out with somebody, you know, we'll just play it cool. And then, you know, yeah. afterwards, it'll be just like me and, you know, Derek will be like, Hey man, I'm not gonna lie, that was pretty tight. Like what we yeah, yeah. like yeah. you know, playing it cool, like whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, no thing. That's Miami right there, but hundred more crazy, but you ain't gonna say you ain't gonna say nothing, but you're gonna be like, eh, that's what's eh, that's what's up, man. You know, like I got star struck the other day we saw Mayweather. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I got weird. Like I saw a little boost in the airport, but I was like, dang, should I go up to him? Or you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. but other than that, I really, you know, I'm you know, I, I'm a, I'm gonna play it cool too, man. No, uh, I wanted to ask you about that 2001 season. Obviously, the 2000 season happened. Y'all, y'all lost y'all's head coach. He's going to the NFL, and y'all, y'all say y'all go to the administrator. You know, I hear the story all the time. Y'all say, you know what? Hire Larry Coker. Larry Coker, keep him, keep him. Yeah. And it didn't matter who was running the defense or who was running the team. Like who was it? Whoever the coach was, it didn't matter. Y'all gonna win anyways. And that's yeah. the type of attitude y'all felt, which you know. I love that, and I wanted to ask you, like, what gave y'all that confidence? Uh, I, I could say 100% it was uh, the off-season training and the, the spring training. You know, um, <clears throat> like I said, going over from that 9-4 and four season my sophomore year, we lost some games we shouldn't have lost, man, and we knew, like, damn, we was right there. But we went so hard that summer when we came back, we had a you know really good strength and conditioning coach. And he had a way of not only physically working us, mentally he gave us like exercises, like just like we do mindset right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, so he really pushed us. And then going into that 2001 year, it was like he's always say, you guys going to be bigger, you guys going to be faster, you guys going to be stronger. But can y'all do the little things correct all the time? Like running off the field, like not bucking reps in the weight room. You know, I said holding each other accountable. Like if y'all can do that right there, we're gonna be it. So it wasn't the question of fast and power and strength, but can y'all mentally, you know, what I'm saying bear to not lose the game and do it all. So with, with all that said, you know, what I'm saying we felt invincible. We we're super confident because we had them played against the best, and we just had a real good big time chip on our shoulder. So I think that was the main thing I could say. We were just. And then practices, we, are we we really pressed and practiced to go hard? Like I can remember, like if I lost a one on one, I'd be mad at my roommate. My roommate was a receiver, <laughs> so if I lost a one on one, I ain't even gonna talk to him. You know what I'm saying? Like when I go to sleep, I'm like, well, I ain't talking to you. He ain't talking to me because of one on one reps. Like we was mad. Or if I like, it's, it's a team period, and I give up the play for the third down. Or I give up the play for the, the, the we lost the period. They might not even hang out with me. When they go to the Grove on Thursday, they might like, you ain't coming, boy, because you gave up that plate. Mm-hmm. So I can say it was just like that. It was almost like crazy accountability. But when we put all that together and got ready to play a game, we really kind of almost felt like these guys don't even know what's about to come out. You know, so I can never, I'll never forget being in the tunnel 
about to come out of smoke. And my mom was like, I'm in the belly of the beast. I'm with a bunch of dudes that adopt for me. So I might as well just go all out for them. And I, this team don't even know what's coming. I always felt like, I kind of felt bad. Like, bro, we, we, finna, we finna hurt these dudes bad. You know what I'm saying? So that's that's pretty much the, the mindset it was going into that 2001 season. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did losing Butch Davis motivate y'all in a way? Like, did that, like, drive y'all? Like, you know what? Like, he left us, you know, away. Yeah. Because I, I could kind of see if it did. Yeah. Because, I mean, me personally, if my coach left, you know, we're about to, you know, we were on the verge of making, you know, history, you know, winning that championship yeah. and you just left, I would feel some type of way. You know, I get that all coaches have goals and, you know, they want to take that next yeah. step and want to go to the NFL and things like that. But at the same time, you know, I would have, yeah. you know, a certain type of chip on my shoulder about that. Well, I can I, – uh, we honestly were shocked and was hurt at first because he built us down. Bush Davis was a very unapproachable person, to be honest with you. Like, and I – you know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't going to just be – when Coach Davis come up the hallway, everybody like, oh, you know, Coach. It wasn't like, hey, Coach, what's up, man? Ah, what's up? Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And here's the difference. So we respected him. We was hurt, but – the man got like 10 to 12 million. And I never forget it kind of circulated around circulated around the locker room. We knew his kid, we knew his wife. Like, bro, somebody put 12 million in front of you. Come on, bro. And that's your ambition to coach NFL. So I remember I remember being mad, but it went from mad to like, that man finna go eat for his family, bro. <laughs> and if we about to get drafted this year, we know we can get to Cleveland with Coach Davis. Uh-huh. You know what I'm <laughs> I mean, that jump worked like that. That man, like, he um he um, drafted so many hurricanes that year. Like, he literally brought everybody in the streets. But anyways, it was that feeling. And then secondly, I, I can't say enough about what Coach Coker did because Coker took a, a loaded, crazy good team, and he let us be ourselves. In a, in a game of college football, one of the biggest downfalls, there's a lot of egos in, in college football. And I think he put his ego down just to let us be who we were. So he really didn't coach the seniors and juniors that much. He was really hard on the freshmen and sophomores. It was games where I heard he would be like, what should I do at halftime? We up by 30. And they'd be like, just leave him alone. Like, you know what I'm saying? So he'll just come out like, let's go, you know, run hard. And give it all you got and finish. So I commend him for leaving the stack team and letting us be. He coaches now. I think that take a bigger man to say, I'm going to coach these guys and I'm going to do what I do but I'm going to really let them be themselves. I'm not going to try to outdo Butch Davis. So I think I commend him for that. But at the same time, Butch Davis had us a really tough knucklehead team. He had a super discipline. We had, bro, we had people from Cali, Jersey. People think it was all Florida boys. It was a bunch of Texas, Cali, Louisiana, you know what I'm saying, dudes from the Northeast. So, you know what I'm saying, North Florida. And that all came together. And that, that, I think that's what made us successful. So – Talk about uh, that, you know, the greatest team ever assembled. I don't know how many draft picks, you know, first-round draft picks was on that team. You had backups that were first-round draft picks, backups, backups that were first-round draft picks. You had, what, six or seven guys one year drafted in the first round. I mean, y'all were literally the greatest team ever. How was that? And did y'all know in a way that, potentially like y'all are and afterwards did y'all like talk to yourselves like wow we were the greatest team like to ever play 
Um, nah, we didn't talk like that, but um, <laughs> it was a little arrogance and cockiness, you know what I'm saying? Like, because we knew that the fact we were undefeated. One of the biggest confident boosters I can say was we knew the offense was going to put up by 35 a game. You know what I'm saying? Like, anytime you got an aired out offense like that with that many weapons, you knew you had it. So I think that gave the defense confidence because we weren't going to give up by 13 or less, you know what I'm saying? So we'll be out there. And I never forget, like, when the offense threw a pick, we will run on the field, like, like pump the crowd, like, yeah, we back to stomp this and get this three and out. So we, like, we mentally mess with people, bro. Like, we just threw a pick. It's 108,000. We at Penn State. We up there. And we come on the field like this. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody bending over, Ryan. That's one thing. You ever see a huddle, a 2001 defense, well, back when we used to huddle, you guys don't huddle. But it was never nobody bending over, bro. And that all started in the summer. Like, we, like all that 110, that stuff carried over. So we would be in the huddle just staring at the other team in the fourth quarter. They throwing up in the huddle. It's hot. We playing at 12 noon, and we, like, laughing, like, bro. You know what I'm saying? So I can, I can honestly say that, yeah, we, we didn't walk around saying we was that. But we knew it was that. And I can, I think when I was getting ready for the combine after my senior years, when it really kind of hit me, like, <laughs> we like that. We run out there running 40s, guys 10 and 20-yard dashes off the chart, dudes running 4-4s, four 4-3s four in, in, the, in the workouts, and we, we going hard. But so <laughs> we all went and got escalades. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I did stupid, but my mindset when we made it, when I seen, like, out of the 11 draft picks, 10 on came, like, eight on came back with brand-new Escalades on rims, TVs. Everybody, like, boy, you got the white one, I got a blue. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Everybody, you know, I'm like, dog, we, we like that. We, you know, we riding around it. Back then, it was $56,000 cars, you know what I'm saying? And in my mind, I'm like, bro, like, we we, we competed. We're, we went undefeated. You know what I'm saying? We worked out behind off. We, you know, about to get drafted. We riding around in nice cars. We walking, we skipping lines in Miami. We we don't we don't boys, you know what I'm saying? So that's when it kind of really hit me. But I think we had the cockiness, but we never really talked about like, oh, we the greatest or whatever. We just went out there and handled business. Nah, that's that that to me is like one of the coolest things. Like even uh, you know, this past year, uh Jalen Phillips, we knew he was gonna end up being a first round draft pick, and he knew it too. Everybody knew it, and you know, we're going out. And of course, you know, Jalen's like, oh, you know, everything's good. Like, yeah, <laughs> everything's good. He shows up. He got a, he had one of the biggest chains on I've ever seen. He had his logo on and everything. I'm like, damn, that's got to be at least $25,000 chain. Yeah. <laughs> he ain't even signed a contract yet. He's like, oh, don't worry, man. I'll make it back in a minute. Like, yeah, the drive is like two weeks away. We, everybody knew. That he's gonna be a top 15 pick, have a couple million in his pockets. Yeah. But you know what was the funniest thing was <laughs> was one time we went out, uh, it was with Jalen Waddle. And <laughs> this dude, it was after the draft, because he got drafted to Miami. So we're with Jalen and stuff, because me and Derek, we're both from Houston. So, you know, we kind of, you know, we knew Jalen. And yeah. So we're there with him. And everybody's paying. I promise you, like everybody paid. It was just a matter of who's putting their card down because someone got to put their card down and then everybody will pay that person. Yeah. This man just got paid. He already signed the contract and everything. He got a $20 million bonus. The man wouldn't put his card down. It was only like a $1,000 tab and there was like 10 of us. Yeah. We were all like, 
man, whatever. And like, we just, <laughs> one of us ended up putting our car down and they just gave us some money. We were, it was one of the most surprising things ever. Cause you yeah. know, you got some people that, you know, just got drafted and they're like, man, this, whatever yeah. it's on me, blah, blah, blah. But it, it kind of shows, you know, some people are a bit different, but yeah. I, I like Jalen for that. Jalen's, you know, he's pretty smart when it comes to things like that. Yes, that's the difference, though. You know, it's not what you make, it's what you say, man. And that's that stuff add up, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got a hundred bucks, every dollar counts, and so he might have twenty million, but every thousand counts. So exactly, that's, actually, that's one of the things we we asked him. We were like, you know, what, what was up with that? He's like, he's like, man, I know it's you know it's only you know it's, I got the money. He's like, but every yeah. dollar counts to me. Yeah, and that that's enough. That's like you know, it's a lot of times. I remember sitting in a hot tub. And I don't want to go into race, but I sat with uh, one of my white white friends in the hot tub, and he was like, I was like, man, my you know, my family asked me, you know, I got somebody asked me for five grand, I got somebody asked me for this, and, and this is your people, this ain't like your friends, like your your blood. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, shit, I'm gonna give it to him, you know what I'm saying? Cause that's my family. But and I never get I told the linebacker that the guy that was in the hot tub with me, he was like, They asked you for money? I'm like, Yeah, he said, Your I was like your family don't? He's like, nah, never. I like. You know what I'm saying? That's different, bro. Like, that's a whole nother perspective. And a lot of us, my dad only made probably about 60 to 70 grand or at the most a year. And so he don't sit and talk to me about no money. You know, he never talked. I was taught don't talk about money. So it was just a lot to learn with a lot of money at a young age. And that lesson that Jalen got, honestly, it sounded like his dad might have taught him that. Like, hey, yeah. save your, your money, bro. I wish I had somebody telling me that. You know what I'm saying? I live, I live, I made a lot. I made millions. I lost millions. I went up and down and you know what I'm saying? I learned a lot, but a lot of guys probably need to be like that. It, it, you know, but at the same time, I, ain't gonna, I was that guy like, hey, put it on my car. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's go. Let's go. It's funny how you talk about that because, I mean, like, you know, family asks you for money, blah, blah, blah. I don't even make money, but, you know, I'll, you know, I'll send some money back to, you know, my brothers, you know, sisters, yeah. whatever, things like that. Yeah. Like, of course, I'll never say no, like, ever. Like, it don't matter, like, what the amount is like, I'll just never say no. Cause that's, you know, that's my family. So in a way I yeah. kind of have the same mindset, but it is kind of, you know, funny, like hearing that, like, yeah, ask you for money. Like, what, what are yeah. you like, but at the same time, like if you go broke, then what they're going to do. So you got to think of that aspect too. Cause I'm just like you, Ryan, whatever they want, they got it. It's me, but you know, yeah. like, so I like, you know, it's just sometimes, you know, what I should do, I should be like, let me call you right back. I learned that's the best trick, but don't make quick decisions, especially with your money. You know, let me call you right back. Let me sleep on it. You know what I'm saying? And over time, you'll have a better perspective on it than being rational. And then people know they can put you on the spot. Like, hey, let me hold 200. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then, you know, say so you won't give it up because you're rational. But if they know you, oh, he going to think about that junk. So I don't know if I'm going to ask him. You know what I'm saying? So that's a good trick that I learned at a young age. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I guess that's, you know, for another topic, another day, because I, I could go into, you know, deep, deep talks about that just because. I want to. I want to, because there's a lot more I want to say, too. So let's let next time for sure. We'll talk about that for sure, bro, because. Yeah, that's you, you're 22. You're 22. You got a 65 year old man managing your money. You know what I'm saying? You got your 45 year old agent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You got your 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 uh, tax guy. You know what I'm saying? Older guy, and nobody wants to teach you because they get the money off you. You know what I'm saying? So if you you learn it, you don't need them anymore. So why should they teach you? Exactly. So that's a big part of it. You know, you got to have a circle of people around you, like those people that they have you at your their, their best interest. They want to educate you and teach you. 
in that way, you know what I'm saying, it'll work out. But being 22, like, I don't blame myself for what I did at 22. At, at, at age of 42, I'm like, bro, like, I didn't do too bad. You know what I'm saying? I saved a little money, you know, I put some money away. But a lot of guys don't think like that at 22, you know what I'm saying? Right, right now, at your age, I know you feel like, bro, I know it all. But when you hit 30, you're going to be like, bro, I didn't know nothing at that age. Then when you hit 40, when you hit 42 like me, you're going to be like, well, I just got to keep learning, man. You know what I'm saying? I never know enough, you know what I'm saying? So don't ever feel like you know it all because time will tell. <laughs> it's going to tell real quick whether you do know it or not. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I kind of wanted to get into, you know, when you started, when your time was up, in the NFL, because you played in the NFL for, what was it, five years, I believe, six years? Yeah, five years. You played with the 49ers, then you went to? Redskins. Watch the Redskins, yeah. So you played with them, and then, you know, your career in the NFL is, you know, a bit up and down, right? You you know, you want to yeah. talk about that a little bit, and then so coaching? Uh, I go to, to the Niners in 2002. Um. I've been sent up in my contract to play 55% of the downs, and I get uh, one year taken off my con my one year taken off my deal. So I originally signed a six year deal. I play 55%, like 59%, because I played nickel and corner, and I end up um, they took a year off, so I had a five year deal, which you want. You want so you want to get to your next contract a lot quicker. So that's how I started. Okay, season, not the best season my first year. Okay, and the problem my first year was <clears throat> I was a first round pick from Miami, and I wanted to show everybody, like, I'm that guy. So I was doing other people's job, and I was over playing to try to show, like, look, look at me, I'm that guy. I did too much. Mm -hmm. But when I sat back, I remember the one of the linebacker coaches, he literally cursed me out and told me I had a son at home. And, then, and if with that effort right there, or, you know, or that how you play that player right there, are you going to feed your son with that? And it hit me like, dang, you know, he snapped. And I was like, bro, let me stop playing. You know what I'm saying? Let me go hard and just do my job. I'm not going to be when I'm in the flats. I'm not going to be in the curl, too. I'm playing straight flats. Uh, if, I'm, if I'm in the hook, I'm going to be straight hook. You know what I'm saying? And that's when I got better. Going into my second year, I had my best year in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? I went against some of the best receivers, and I made myself a full-time starter at corner. You know what I'm saying? I did a, I did a great deal. And then uh, I want to say the third year, I tore a ligament in my foot. So I've always had flat feet. You know, so all y'all, all y'all players, if you got too much arch or a flat foot, you need to make sure you got orthotics because over time, you know what I'm saying, your feet connect to your knees and your knees connect to your back and can end up making a lot of bad injuries for you. So you got to take care of your feet, number one. And I tore a ligament in my foot, missed a year. And I had started that year out pretty good. And then I broke my radius. Um, <laughs> I was playing in a Sunday night game against the Rams, which was our last, like Florida State, and uh, going against Steven Jackson, he, that's the running back, uh, six four by two forty. You know what I'm saying? Uh, big back, and then uh, Mark, I'm, I'm out there going against um, Isaac Bruce, who's from Fort Lauderdale. So it's a lot of Frank words being saying, a lot of Florida talk. You know what I'm saying? So we're going back and forth. And that year, that was the only Monday night game we had. Actually, it was a Sunday night game. So I'm like. The lights is on. One thing about me, Ryan, when the lights come on, like, I just feel like I'm on a stage, bro. I feel like a giant. And that night I felt that way. And I was ragtagging Isaac Bruce on one play. Like, he coming up to me, I'm buttoning him and slamming him down. He like 160. And then later on in the play, like later on in the game, he cut blocked me. So I was on the ground. 
and Big Steven Jackson's coming around the corner. Let me let me rewind a little bit. So earlier, Steven Jackson came on my side of the field like stumbling, like yeah, you know, he barely made it. He fell right when he got to me. And I don't know, I don't really talk a lot of Trevor. I was talking like cash shit this game. So I'm like, hey, I like oh, this the wrong side to stumble on. Cause bro, I, I was bringing that hat. Remember, I was a safety, so yeah. I took pride in trying to knock people out. Like I want the heaviest helmet to like try to put my Rydell on your Rydell. So I was, and I, my whole thing was if I hit a bit back, I can get on like plays of the week, you know what I'm yeah. saying, on ESPN. So I always want Jerome better smack. I tried, I wanted uh, Mike Allstott, I wanted him bad. And this big back, I wanted him too. I thought I did. So he comes back. Later on, I get cut by Isaac Bruce and he dives on my ankle. So I'm on the ground. And as Jackson comes around the corner, I threw my arm to trip him. And bro, my radius hit right on his shin. Oh. And I'm like, I'm thinking stinger. You know what I'm saying? You know, you get the burner. So I'm like, dang, I got a burner. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm up. And I, always, I never lay on the field. I may, I may be laying on the field one time in my whole career because I didn't want my family to see me like that. So <laughs> I'm. I'm I'm running off the field. I'm, I'm, I don't want to look at my arm. I never got running like this. <laughs> and Isaac Brewster behind me, like, you pee, where the F you going? Yo, PA, like, I'm like, bro, like, and I'm like, bro, you lucky, dog, my arm hurt. This man, this man went from one sideline all the way to the other sideline, talking junk to me behind my back. And um, I go in the locker room, they cut my jersey off, and I'm sitting there watching the game, and they show the replay. And I look, I'm like, bro, my arm is broke, man. I'm like, bro, my arm's broke, bro. Like, I'm, I never get looking at it. Like, I see my arm get broke on the TV, and I'm about to get an X-ray. I'm like, bro, I don't, I don't need an X-ray. Yeah, I can see it on the TV right now, bro. And I'm not like, I'm not the most emotional like person, but football probably one of the only things that makes me emotional. A single tear. <laughs> I don't know if it was like one hour, you know, I was just like a single tear just carrying out my cheek, like, dang. And next thing you know, surgery, rehab, and I came back in 05. Um, uh, I came back in 06. And keep in mind, Ryan, with the 49ers, we went through three head coaches mm-hmm. within those four years I was there. And that was almost like four defensive coordinators. So every year we was changing stuff up, man. So I can honestly say that was tough. And then the last coach to come in, he moved me back to safety, which I was loving because like, I kill people at safety. And um, uh, I ended up getting traded to the Redskins in 2006. You know what I'm saying? So fast forward in 06, I, I'm happy because I'm going to the Redskins. Who was there? Clint Portis, Sean Taylor. Taylor's there, yeah. Rocky McIntosh, Santana Moss. So I'm like, and then I never been in the Northeast, like ever, never lived in the Northeast. So I'm like, I'm going to see this Northeast ball, you know, so I got traded over there. And here's how that worked. I was in uh, camp. And I got, I had, we had a tour day practice. I had a practice in the morning and I never forget. I took my cleats off and signed it, gave it to this kid that was at practice. I never do that. I gave everything, but I never gave my cleats. I gave this kid my cleats. He was like a detention home kid, whatever. And I got the tap. The tap was on the guy like, hey, can you take your notepad upstairs? And I'm like, remember, I'm the vet. I'm in the community. Uh, I go to church there. I'm about to start investing in real estate. I'm like doing it all, bro. And, I went up there. He's like, we just traded you. We just traded you to the Red. Not do you want to go. We just traded you to the Redskins. You got a flight tonight at 8 o'clock. Well, this is like 12. So when I get back downstairs within 15 minutes, my locker's gone. It's a box. And that's my locker. Four years, first round pick. But I went, I shook everybody's hand. In the, you know me. I shook everybody's hand in the building, held my head up, went home. 
So my wife, wife already knew because my agent called her. Bro, I, was, I went to dinner. I was on a plane to uh, Washington at 8 o'clock that night. So get there. My boys is there. One of the most star-studded teams I've ever been around. The only problem was they didn't have cohesiveness. They didn't get along, you know, and uh, got to be with my teammates, man. And it was it was like we only won like four games that year in Washington, but it was just a great experience, and I really enjoyed it, man. So last year, I'm coming into the end of my contract, my fifth year, so it was very hard to go into free agency that I only played like half the year with the Redskins, and I finished how I did with the 49ers. So going to free agency, you know, wasn't the best. And bro, I just literally—I'm never forget. I was with the—I uh, was with the Rams. I got released, and I called my my wife. I called my stepmom. My stepmom very spiritual. She's like, Mike, you know, if you feel like this is time, you know, you do what you need to do, whatever. And my dad kind of told me, like, man, I know you was always been a good football player, but I always expect expect you to be like a coach or something. I don't know why he said that, but I'm like, oh, like I feel like you were more more of a teacher than you were a player. And I ended up. Retiring 07, and um, you know what I'm saying? Next thing you know, coaching, um, I coached my son, Little League team, and that's very important because working with eight and nine-year-olds, you teach the fundamentals. A linebacker, I teach that read step, you know what I'm saying, how to use your hands. and So I taught the fundamental, where to put your hands, you know what I'm saying, how to catch a ball. And that's I think that's what helped me become a really good high school coach because I taught those high school kids like they never heard of football. I didn't skip no steps with them. So every fundamental was clear, you know what I'm saying? And I ended up being a real good coach and shoot. I, I did. I had uh, 39 games and 39 and six as a high school coach in three years and two state championships. That's what got me to the University of Miami. So being in the University of Miami, you know, actually, I want to ask before this. So there was something I want to bring up since you did play with Sean Taylor. Your last year there was 06, right? Yeah. Sean Taylor, you know, sadly passed in 07. How was that, you know, you know, that feeling and things like that? Well, you know, um, first off, playing with Sean that year was amazing because in college we were together, but he was a freshman. I was a senior. Mm -hmm. So I really got to see the real Sean Taylor in 2006 with the risk. And first off, Sean ran the organization, bro. Like this man had, and not in the cocky way, he was the most, Humble, not talking much, just chill. I just want to play football guy ever. But parking spot out front with his name on it. And I still remember that uh, he had a S550 Burgundy. You see S. Taylor, uh, Greg Williams, the coordinator time. Sean would mess up all the time in the game. And he would never say nothing to him. Like, hey, you know, sometimes 26 is going to do some weird stuff, but 21 is going to do that. I'm like, bro. Like, the man messing up, bro. You got to hold him accountable, too. Never accountable. Like, even two man, this man on that hash, he supposed to be over top of me, but he on this hash, like, what is Sean doing? But half the time, he almost made the play anyway. But anyways, Sean was always early to every meeting. It was kind of eerie. Like, when me started at 8, 7.30, you saw that dude sitting in there with those dreads hanging down. And, he, like, the undertaker, bro, he already be sitting like this, just chilling. And then when you see him, he would light up be the nicest person ever. Like, hey, what's up, Mike? How's your little girl doing? Because we had daughters at the same time. How's your little girl, man? Yeah, you like your new house, bro? You know what I'm saying? How you like it? You know what I'm saying? Like the nicest dude. But from a distance, tax, dreads, just you like this dude. Wow, bro. He had another side now. He would snap. But Sean was the nicest person, bro, all the time, man. I never forget he was like, 
my, I just don't like people touching my face, man. Like that shit made me so mad. People touch, I like note to sell. You know what I'm saying? Don't never touch, never touch Sean's face. But um, suit worked super hard. Like it was days when I would come in and work out with the late group. He would come back and work out with me. Like this man, remember you work out with Coach Fell, and then later on you work out with him again with your homeboy, like that. <laughs> so he's like, dog, who are you? You know what I'm saying? The plays I can say he made in practice was unbelievable. It was sometimes it was like I always said Sean made NFL look like some of the guys in NFL look like they were college. Like he could just take over a game. Like we need three points. Okay, let's I'm gonna go block their field goal, scoop and score, and then we win, you know what I'm saying, by by four. You know what I'm saying? Like Sean to take over an NFL game like that. But when he get when he passed, uh, I was here, man. I went to the hospital, you know what I'm saying? He was at Jackson Memorial, he got airlifted. And man, I'll never forget, man. I was in my 745 and I was playing, I, you know, I was listening to Tupac and I went down there. And crazy enough, it was so many people there, parents, all my teammates. And we had heard like his fingers had moved, bro. We was like, you know what I'm saying? He gonna make it out. But I didn't know he got hit. You know, got, when you get hit in that artery in your leg, you're supposed to die right on the spot. So the doctor always said, like, Sean was super strong for surviving so long with the shot that he had. Um, so we thought we was going to pull out, but, you know, real quick after that, they said he passed. I know I'm, I'm, I'm listening to Tupac, only the good die young, you know what I'm saying? That junk, you know, I, I didn't cry, but I was like, just, just like down, bro. I felt low, man. Like, and to be honest with you, Ryan, the reason I went to Washington, I later learned was Sean Taylor told them, like, if y'all want a cornerback nickel guy, get Mike Rump. So that's how I ended up going to the rescue because of Sean. <laughs> yeah, bro. So you know, yeah, Sean, I mean, obviously everywhere. I mean, he's a big time legend, especially in Miami. So, I mean, I just, you know, I needed to ask, you know, felt like, yeah. you know, want to just, you know, touch on the subject at least. Yeah, no doubt. That's a cool story, you know, about, you know, him telling them that and, you know, things like that. It's funny. I think I saw something about, I think it was a football life. I think it was Clinton Portis told the Redskins coach, like, hey, you know, you need to draft Sean Taylor or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, it's crazy how he ended up doing, you know, telling them. That the same thing, yeah. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's real cool how that worked out for you, you know, at least getting to play with them for a year. You know, it's kind of funny, though, that coaches never get on, you know, on him. I've, I've yeah. been involved with some things like that, too, now. And I'm just like, yeah. it's, yeah. a, it's an annoying thing. It's like, really? Yeah. This man messing up every time. Yeah. I ain't gonna say nothing. I ain't gonna say yeah. nothing. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna let it go. But getting into your coaching at the University of Miami, you know, how was it? And, you know, I wanted to talk about or just, you know, simply ask you, you know, you got asked to go to the re recruiting side and just yeah. how was that, you know, conversation? Like, how, how do those things, you know, really go? Because obviously it's got to be something difficult. Yeah. Well, you know, so I came in, keep in mind, I think <clears throat> I came in 2016 under Coach Rick, Manny Diaz as defensive coordinator. And um, I'm just happy for the opportunity because that don't happen. You don't leave high school and jump into a coaching position. You're always a GA and you got to work your way in. Right. But I'm blessed. I get in there. So all I want to do is do what I'm told. That's it. Like whatever coach say to the T. And I actually became really good at. Well, you say inside leverage, play man all day. That's exactly play outside leverage. I'm going to play it. You know what I'm saying? So I came really on to the point where, you know, even if it was something I might not agree with, I'm going to do exactly what you want me to do. You know what I'm saying? So 
And that's probably because I've never been to another college. A lot of guys, if I came from the, the Seahawks and I came to UM, I'm like, nah, it's Seahawks, we do it this way. You know what I'm saying? But when you're coming from high school, you can't, you don't have that opinion. So I kind of played that person for the first five years as a cornerback coach. And I had a lot of success and I've had a lot of downs, but more success meaning in 2017, me and coach uh, Ephraim Bonda were up for a, like assistant coaches a year. We was like in the top five. So, and we had like 40 turnovers. We went 10 and 10 and two, 10 and three, you know, so turnover chain was out, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, a lot of good in that. But after five years, Manny pulled me to the side and was like, I want to change things up. Um, I'm not going to get rid of you. You know what I'm saying? You're a, you're a value to this program because you, how you are with people, uh, how you, how the players love you. And he pretty much said, I love you. I like how you coach. Um, and I just want to help you with whatever I can. So I want to move you to recruiting. So at the time, I'm kind of like, damn, I'm glad I didn't get fired. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, hey, you want me to, you know what I'm saying, work with Amigo and clean up? Like, I'll do whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever I need to do, you know what I'm saying? But when it's set in, I'm like, okay. And I came a little bit short in, in certain situations as a recruiter. You know, so I felt like I'm a great developer of players. I can get a dude in the league. I can get your opportunity. You're going to get, you're going to be free. You're going to get in there, you know what I'm saying? Because I can teach tackling. I can teach you to play man, bump press, which a lot of people are not the greatest at playing. I can play off. I can keep zone. I can do all that stuff. But, you know what I'm saying, I really came short in some recruiting situations. You know what I'm saying? And some of those kids that came from my great high school did not come to the University of Miami, and it was frowned upon. So in that aspect, I got labeled not the best recruiter. So that's what hurt. But so I looked at it as – I was being put in a situation to get better at something that I wasn't the best at. And I took it like that. I'm still a cane. I'm happy. I can still be around my guys. I love being with my players. And now I'm about to get, I'm about to take over this recruiting thing and do it. You know what I'm saying? And I, you know what I'm saying? I did a lot of praying, but that kept coming to my mind so much. Like I'm so, I can't be mad because I had such a good opportunity. I'm doing what I love. I, I'm around players still. And I'm still at the university of Miami. I'm getting paid to do it. Like, let's just go hard. And that's where I'm at right now. So that's how I transition over. Do I want to be back on the field? A hundred percent. Like, you know what I'm saying? Sitting in there listening, the game comes to me different, man. I can I can break it down and I can make very complex things uh, simple. And I'm very good at paying attention to who you guys are as a person. Like, I, I look at football as a great tool, but I, would you know, Ryan, you could tell everybody that? Who I am is not football. Football don't define me. I'm not walking around with a number eight necklace on. Like, you know, I know that's gone, but I know my value now is to help y'all become great people. And that's where, that's why I'm always positive. Everybody, like, bro, you're always positive. You don't, everybody likes you, you know, like, that's the energy I got to bring. What I put out, I'm going to get back. So I come in there and I'm blessed to be where I'm at. So what other thing can you do but sit up there and go hard and do what you need to do? So that's why, that's where I'm at here in recruiting. And that's where that's why I feel like everything is going great for me right now. You know, it's funny, you know, obviously everybody in the building and all the coaches know that I want to be a coach. Every coach knows that we've had many conversations already with me and Coach Strong, me and Coach yeah. talked to Coach Cristobal about it a lot. Like I've had conversations like crazy with everybody. But you were really the first person that like told me, like, hey, you know, I could really see you, you coaching. This is like, you know, one of my first years here. And 
you said that to me and I was like, man, maybe, maybe I'll be a coach. Maybe I should be a coach. Yeah. Since then, like I've just been all in on, you know, on the coaching stuff, you know, I, you know me, I'll sit here and watch film for hours, you know, just by myself breaking stuff down. I got all my, you know, playbooks, you know, I'll come in and critique things. You, you know me, I'll come up to you and tell you, well, you know, really, I think we should play this type of you know, cover yeah. instead of this, on this formation. This guy should probably trap against this right here or bail. You know, I, I break the down, you know, break down the game differently, you know, yeah. than most players, you know. But it was really when you told me that, you know, I started taking that a little bit seriously. I was like, all right, maybe, you know, I could do this coaching thing. Maybe I'd be pretty good at it. Yeah. So, you well, know, I think I think that, um, yeah, 100%. I seen it in you, bro. I saw you standing next to the coordinator. You know, so I see you standing next to the head coach. And um, that's a big part of it. You got to see yourself where you need to go. And I just saw you had the love for it and you could talk. You know what you're doing now. What you got to do is, and this is a platform for you right here doing podcasts. You got to show you a good recruiter, bro. You know what I'm saying? When them recruits come in town, you got to jump at the bit to take them boys out. You know what I'm saying? And put them out there and show that. Because here's what I'm telling you. When you finish college, no matter what happens, whether you get an opportunity in the NFL, whatever, when it ends, you need to have your foot in the door to get right back here to Miami and be a GA and do this and do that. You know what I'm saying? Because the longer you wait, Ryan, the harder it is to get in this game, bro. And I'm going to be honest with you, nobody will go on to hire you. You know what I'm saying? It's tough being where you're from and being where you've been, th- been through. But if you put yourself in a good position right now, you're with the best coaches in the country, bro. we got an all-star coaching group. So pick their brain. But at the same time, show them guys that you can recruit to. And that's when when it's all over. Because, bro, when I got in here, I thought it was all about developing players. <laughs> now I see it's all about recruiting. And if you can develop, cool. If you got it, you know what I'm saying? So patting yourself. Don't think about it all as X's and O's because a lot of these dudes don't know X's and O's. They just can coach a certain – maybe I can coach tackling really well. Maybe um I'm good at a good pass rush. You know what I'm saying? Maybe – my receivers just so happen to have the most yards last year. And that's why I'm in my position. So I see a lot of guys that aren't as good as a coach, but they're super good. You got to be super good at being a recruiter. So, you know, I like to say I'm three for three, you know, on my recruiting. Yeah. Hey, we did that too. Yeah. I, I like to say I'm three for three. Yeah. You know, when De'Aaron came, yeah. you know, I was DMing him, you know, before even anything happened. None of the coaches even knew, like, this dude was going to yeah. enter the portal. You know, being from Houston, I hear, you know, a bunch of words going around. I was like, let me yeah. shoot up. And then, you know, obviously me and De'Aaron started talking about it, came on a visit. You know, Quincy Roche texted him. He's like, hey, man. He's like, he straight up told him, he's like, you're not going to Miami. I'm not going to Miami either. He's straight up told him, but he's like, Quincy goes, if you go to Miami, he's like, I promise you I'll be there. No so way. I, I promise. I was sitting right next to him when he said that. I was like. I was clapping my hands because I knew like we were about to get Quincy too because that was a big t- that was the biggest you know DM. Yeah, yeah, damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then obviously you know Jared Williams wasn't coming to Miami either without you know Derek being here either. So yeah. by knocking that one down, you know getting Derek got the next two too. So I I like to say you know I'm batting a thousand on that you know on that front. That's good. We used to do that. Like, we had, I had Vince Will for it. We were like, bro, I bet I get my recruit commit. Like, the whole thing was about getting your guy to commit. And I'm, we got to get back to that, Ryan. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't just the coaches on them, the players. Like, we judged people as they came in. It was a dude we thought was soft. Like, we going to tell, hey, coach, buddy, soft. We hung out last night. Like, he's scary or he a liar. This dude's a thief. 
we would tell the coaches, bro, and then and we put them through a lot of tests. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, like, what, what? And if you got to do, like, fixing up, we like, nah. So it wasn't just the coaches. We jumped at the bit to take guys out. If it was a real big time dude and coaches really wanted them, we used to be like, watch this. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I don't know. We were like, hey, watch. We're going to get this guy. And then when we got him, it was just like a big celebration amongst ourselves. I got, I got bent. My dude, we were, I'm never, never going to Sunday. We wait. Like, when he come out of Coach Davis' office, get that call. Like, hey, Vince Wilford just committed. Like, yeah, let's go. You know what I'm saying? That's my recruit. You know, so we got to get back to that, man, because that matters a lot, bro. And then what it is is when you in the league balling, you're going to look back and watch us play on TV. You're going to be like, hey, my guy, that's my guy. You know what I'm saying? And you proud of the game, but this, this look sorry. We look weak. You know what I'm saying? It's like I ain't really do my job when I was there. So that's important to keep that legacy going for what you guys are building right now. Mm-hmm. Well, the last thing I want to do is, you know, when we get a guest on the show, we like to ask them: Is there one? What is one thing that you would tell somebody? Piece of advice? Anybody? It could be about football, life, anything. If there's one piece of advice you could tell someone, what would it be? Um, you got to put God first, man. You know, like in everything I've done, I've had so many ups and downs. Like, you know, I don't know how long you got on this tape, but I don't been through it all, bro. And I can honestly say God never let me down, man. When I really needed him the most, he was always in the paint for me. You know what I'm saying? And I don't had times when I was all prayed up, you know what I'm saying? Reading Proverbs day, every day read a Proverbs. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's 31, most months got 31 days and it's 31 Proverbs. So if you read one each day, you know what I'm saying? And I've been living that life. When I was doing that, I picked off Tom Brady in the, in, the, in the preseason. You know what I'm saying? Like I had my really good good time when I was, um, you know what I'm saying? When I was with the Redskins, all my good games came from just being prayed up. And then when I went away from it, you know what I'm saying? Things was tough for me. So I can honestly say, like when I'm going through tough times and I pray, I feel so much peace because I know God going to come through for me. So I could just say, I got so many other, I got a whole bunch of like quotes and stuff, but the best one I can say is put God first in whatever you do. I like that one. You know, I, I try and apply that in my life, you know, and obviously it's hard sometimes, but, you know, because certain things happen, you go through a lot of things, you know, as you get older in life, but that's one thing that I try and keep, you know, keep at yeah. the top of my list, you know, putting God first. But, Coach, I just want to thank you for joining. We really, really appreciate you. I know Derek appreciates you, even though yeah. he didn't tell you right now. Uh, but, obviously, you know, you're one great, great coach. You know, I've seen you coach. I've seen you recruit. And, obviously, you're a great player on the greatest team ever assembled. Nobody could take that away from nobody on that team. You know, yes. hopefully, hopefully we could get around to that level some, you know, sometime here soon. But just want to thank you. You know, from the King Ragoni show. We'll see y'all next time. Hey, yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you so much, man. Hey, Dear, best of luck. Keep doing your thing out there. Much love, man. When I put that on Instagram, I meant, you know what I'm saying? Be yourself, brother. Keep being yourself, man. You're a great person. And Ryan, same thing for you. Keep doing your thing. Let's go get this national championship, ACC championship. And hey, when you become a coach, bro, I told you, don't forget about me, man. I got you. <laughs> I'm be the old man. I'm be the old man in the back coaching, bro. That's all I, I want to do. You, you know what I'm saying? Coach, uh, the coach Stroud. <laughs> yeah. All right, bro. Thank you, man. All right, bro.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.